Today on The Breakdown, it's a star-studded poker hand. I'm talking Faraz Jaka, Phil Ivey, but I don't just do poker superstars anymore. No, we've included a movie star too, because we go out of our way for you people all the time. That's right. We're bringing in one of the biggest stars in the history of film. Well, all right, but... We are bringing in a guy who was one of the big stars of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He was in Stranger Things. He was the lead of the Goonies, for crying out loud, Sean Astin. He's also in this hand. Other guys, too, Art, Artem Litmanov, if you know who that is. He's a super fun guy. Uh, this is a hand where I'm just going to give it to you straight, guys. I'm not sure we're going to like any of the plays in this hand. <laughs> it's possible we're going to hate a lot of the plays in this hand. Some surprising weird decisions are made. It's unclear if we're going to like these plays, but we decided to get into it, get closer, and break it down. We're going to do it right now on The Breakdown with a million dollars in play with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Interesting how you barely mentioned anybody who actually matters in the hand. Why would I do that? I got to mention Phil Ivey for us, Jack, and the movie star. Why would I mention the guys who no one really knows? I got to sell this. Samwise Gamgee, Samwise Gamgee, surprisingly not that good at poker, according to what I see here. Yeah. Also, the star of Rudy, now that I think about it, uh, Sean Astin. Uh, what was more unbelievable, that Sean Astin would be like able to play for Notre Dame or that he would be dating Winona Ryder? I mean, both of those are pretty questionable. I got to tell you, I'm not so sure I buy either one. Uh, but hey, I mean, Winona Ryder or in Stranger he would Things. Be, when he's in Stranger Things. That's why, that's why he worked really well in Lord of the Rings. You yeah. could believe that he was a hobbit who had never left his hobbit hovel or whatever they call it. Yeah, and he marries a nice hobbit lady, female hobbit type. They have a bunch yeah. of, you know, hobbit kids and everyone. I believe that. I buy that. I just, you know, just don't buy the whole, the other stuff. But hey, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. He's an actor. Now the Astonites, the Astonites are going to come after us. The now asteroids. They're going to flood our comments. We're gonna get yeah. we're gonna get <laughs> attacked by the asteroids. Uh, we got we got a lot to talk about actually. Not just this hand, although this hand certainly looms large. I did mention a million dollars ultimately uh, is what everyone's playing for. That's not nothing. That's a legitimate amount of scratch. But there's a lot of other things we got to talk about too. Grant, I'm not just gonna let you you know just take the day off like you normally do. Just phone it in on this podcast. Not today, Grant. So instead, let's maybe get to one of the things. Brian Sika, Sika, Sika. Brian Sika wrote to us and said this. Hey, guys, I've been a listener for a few years now. And before I ask a question, I want to say I'm a huge fan. Thanks. I am watching some old tournaments on Poker Go and a situation come up where with six players left at the final table, the button min raised with tens on a 30 big blind effective stack. The big blind three bet to six big blinds with queens, the button re-raised all in. Big blind call, then one. It seemed like a pretty vanilla spot. But when I stopped and thought about it, there were so many factors. And honestly, I could see the merits to folding. It was the two big stacks at the table. Calling and seeing a flop because of ICM considerations or re-raising. My question is, have you ever considered taking generic spots like this pre and maybe post-flop and doing a short-form version of the show on them? I don't know if I speak for the rest of the audience, but after listening to your WSOP commentary and genuinely being a fan... I'd like to hear what you have to say on spots like the above, of which there are probably infinite variations. Appreciate your work. So, first of all, I think we could quickly talk about that spot that he asked about, I would think. I forgot we did WSOP commentary. I know. feels like a million (laughs) years ago. 
it million, happened. Billion, trillion years ago. Yeah. Um, first of all, just on the spot, I mean, Grant, stop me if you would go in a different direction. It's a st- even, even if they're the, quote, big stacks, if the effective stack is 30 and it's 30 blinds and it's buttoned against big blind, it almost doesn't matter. Like, it's really hard not to get it all in there. And I'm okay with the idea of flatting rather than moving in. I mean, moving uh, in is pretty close to game theory disaster territory. And when the ICM situation is as such, if, yeah. especially considering the 30 blind stack is second in chips, I think calling is probably superior. I don't think you That's can fold. That's actually a good point because uh, it's no folding is impossible because, yeah, it's only four blinds to call. You're in position. It's a pretty great, you know, if you end up going broke, you'd be like, well, I was getting it in anyway. It's fine. You know, it's, that was the other yeah. option. So uh, the one thing that you sort of get to do is you get to win the pot a lot more of the time, right, by moving in. And so it may ultimately be profitable, but with the ICM potential things in play, if you're the two big stacks, actually, now that I think about it, yeah, calling does make sense. And I guess this is maybe why Brian wrote about it. Yeah, I think it's better to call. Yeah. Good good job bringing that, Brian. So maybe Congratulations. maybe something we can do is uh, talk about a, a less sort of high-end, super advanced spot, but something that comes up a lot, like this kind of a spot, and like how we might decide to play it, because there's lots of spots like this. Not right now. I'm saying just in general in shows. I think it's an interesting idea. Yeah, but who's going to suggest those things? We have to generate them no, ourselves? absolutely I, not. I'm not here to work. No, we're not generating those ourselves. If we, Guys, if you want to send them in, you know our Twitter account, right? It's at 2PokerGuys. Uh, we will, you know, if they're interesting, even the slightest bit interesting, we'll talk about them for a few minutes at the beginning of the show. But we're not going to generate That's, them ourselves. Yeah. I guess um, maybe three or four years ago now, there was a period of time where we would uh, analyze a listener hand at the end of the show every once huh. in a while. Yeah. And... Our standards were relatively high. We were like, we want it to be breakdownable and yeah. like have interesting decisions. But maybe we could say like, hey, send us your spots just like the normal preflop spot, the one that you want to talk to your friend on break who doesn't know anything about poker and you just want that person to validate what you did. Yeah. You could ask us instead and maybe we'll have a, a different opinion. Yeah. And uh, we might even talk about it on the show. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's great. I like that a lot. Okay, that was part yeah. one. Another thing, we, another thing on the docket is I recently received a book in the mail called Mind Blowing Poker. It's by Professor Poker. And I want to say that, just to be clear, it may sound like this is an ad. It's not an ad. I'm not getting anything for this except the book that I received, which he sent, hoping that we would like it and review it. So I'm about a third of the way through the book, and I feel like it's something some of our audience would be interested in. Uh, So I want to talk just a little bit about it. Uh, the idea of the book, here's, here's the, uh, what it says. Becoming, become a world-class player with incredible new strategies to beat the best and crush the rest in today's GTO game. I mean, that's pretty high. You're shoot, shooting pretty yeah. high shot there. Um, but the point, at least a third of the way through the book anyway, is this, this Professor Poker here is, is specifically trying to lay out strategies that would work at least some of the time against great players because they're expecting to play particular types of game trees most of the time against other good players. And against bad players, they're expecting to play other kinds of game trees. But they know what those game trees are more or less, and they've got plans for those. And this is sort of designed to blow up all that stuff and put them in spots they're not really used to, spots they don't really understand, spots they haven't gamed out a million times or seen a million times and just know what to do. And so it's pretty interesting, I have to say. And like I said, I'm, 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 it's 210 pages. I'm 70 pages in. So there's a lot of book left. And I don't necessarily agree with everything I'm reading. Like, there's stuff in there he writes, you know, you may not like this, you may not agree with it. That's fair. Like, this chapter, this chapter is pretty out there. Um, 
I'm not sure everything in here is profitable, even against good players where you're trying to mess up their game tree. But I think it's important to be thinking about this kind of stuff and looking into it. So, um, so I want to recommend it for people who are thinking about uh, looking for a poker book that is beyond the normal stuff. Like if you feel like I've read all the GTO stuff, I've read all the normal stuff, and I want to like think differently about the game. This is, a, this is one of those things. This is an attempt by, by Professor Poker to really think differently. And I'm pretty charmed by it, I have to say. And I, I wonder, and I, I haven't really used any of it yet because I haven't had very much opportunity to play, especially against world-class players. Um, but I wonder if I, I could see how some of this could be really effective against world-class players, at least some of the time. And it, it might be like a really exciting step forward in poker, at least some of the chapters, maybe even all of it, but at least some of it, I think probably is. So I just wanted to put it out there. It's called, again, Mind-Blowing Poker. He has, uh, again, this is not an ad. We're getting compensated in no way. But he did say that um, if we talked about it at all, if we liked it, we wanted to talk about it. He'd be willing to give away some books to our folks. So we got five books we can give away. So if you're interested in the book, you want more about it, uh, what are we going to do? How are we going to get them to, they're going to tweet at us, send us a DM or something? Yeah. Yeah, just tweet at us and tell us you're interested in the book, and we'll uh, we'll get you in touch with Professor Poker, perhaps. Yeah, like you'll hear back from us. We're, we'll pick a certain amount of. We'll pick up to five. I guess five people is what we'll pick, and uh, and he'll send out the books to you, and that'll be that. And uh, we're also going to end up tweeting out. Uh, one time, we're going to tweet out a link to the book, like the Amazon link, because we told him we would do that if we liked it. And I like it enough that I think it's. I think it's interesting enough that you guys it should be on your radar at least, people. And I have not read any of it yet, so I cannot endorse it in any way. But uh, I certainly trust Jonathan's opinion on this type of thing. And also, Professor Poker told us that I had played with him multiple times two years ago in the World Series, and I can't freaking figure out who it is. Yeah. And it's bothering me because he's, he's, he's under the guise of anonymity. Yeah. So maybe someday we'll know who this masked villain is. <laughs> um, now, you said you haven't read this book. In fairness, I believe you've read two poker books in your life. One of them is the Ed Miller book that I gave you, and the other one is ours. Is that correct? Oh, you've read yeah. Every Hand Revealed. I read... Right. Yeah, and I read Positively Fifth Street. Oh. I don't know if that counts. I don't know if it does. It probably doesn't. It's not really a poker book. I mean, it's about poker, but it's not like a learn to get better at poker book, right? I mean, you read The, the Noble Hustle also, right? But that's not really a poker yeah, book. Yeah, that's definitely not a poker book. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it's a, in fairness, Grant never reads poker books. So I guess the end of this ever, 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 ever. Um, he just uses this podcast and, you know, vicariously reads these books through me basically. Cause like I bring up all the stuff on here when anytime I think it's effective and then he absorbs it and improves. And then I get better than Jonathan in every way. <laughs> it's amazing how it works. It is. I love it. It's amazing. I'm amazed too. All right. Uh, one I have last a question for the, yeah, I have a question for the listeners. Cause I was just thinking, mm. Would this podcast be better if it had intermittent fart sounds no. like after Jonathan said something? It would not be. Just after Jonathan said something, not after I said something. I honestly think the fart sound is like really not that funny. Like I never really thought it was funny. I know it's in a lot of movies. I know people claim it's really funny. It's never really done it for me. So to me, it's just like... No, it's not. Lame. It's not funny. I just want to put a period on everything you say with a fart sound. That's all. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm not going to vote for that. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so saddened by this. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I, I sort of want to, like, sow, sow the seeds of discontent, but it would be my own discontent, so it's problematic. Yeah. I'm sorry to say. But I can sow the seeds of discontent in other people, and I'd like to do some right now, because you know what time it is. Grant, is do, it time for you to sing? No. Are you going to sing? It's time to play another round of Bluff, Back, or Blend. 
That's right. Bluff, <laughs> back, or Ben. Blend. It's hard to game. say. It's really hard to remember the name. It's hard to say it out loud. Bluff, back, or Ben. This is the game where we take a certain amount of poker players. In this case, the ones we've mentioned are the ones that are going to be in this hand. Um, all the players at the table, of course. Uh, and we decide which of them would we want to, would we most want to bluff, sort of like, we, could, we think we get the bluff through the easiest. We pick, like, I want to bluff that person. The person we most want to back, we'd be putting them in a $100,000 tournament. That one's going to be pretty easy this time, I think. And which one we most want to blend, and that does mean, yes, put them in a blender and watch them die. <laughs> okay. Why does it have to be so violent? I mean, it's a blender. It's pretty violent. I mean, it's just the way it is. And, and fuck, Mary kill. They never say can't how. They, be, they never like, say how they kill. Can't they just be exiled, sent out to no. sea? No, that's to, it, it, does, die, it doesn't to die outside of my view. It doesn't start with a B. My view. It doesn't start with a B. Otherwise, we could do boat. It. <laughs> you could boat them. Nah, blend is <laughs> blend is the shit. Also, I think we decided last time that you don't have to actually kill the person. You can just blend some of them in a blender, and they'd be left to be. Horribly disfigured in pain. You're just making it way, way worse. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the Goonies, which Sean Aston, of course, was the star of, uh, there's that great scene when they're trying to get Chunk to talk, and they, they turn on a blender and they throw a piece of uh, like fruit in there, and it blends right up, and they're about to stick his hand in there, and they're like, tell us everything. And he says, everything, like everything. And he starts crying, and he talks about when he, like six years ago, he went into a movie theater and brought some pea soup and went, huah, huah, and then poured it on people as if he just vomited. And it's a classic scene. Anyway, bluff, back, or blend. Here are the players, Grant, we have okay. Philip Ivy. We have Artem Litvinov. Back. Artem, well, hold on. Artem, yeah, he's going to be the back. Artem Litvinov. We have Faraz Jaka. We have, I guess, Andre, who's sitting there. We have... Um, Why do we have more than three? There's only three options. What are you talking about? No, no, about? but you can, they can be out of these people. You get to pick. Sean Astin is at the table. You can pick any of those people. Oh, I have, oh, so I get to back one, bluff one, and blend one of all of them? Yeah. So some of them get left out. Some, some of them, them don't, some of them don't have to die, or some of them mostly get... Yeah, I think they prefer to be left out, but Phil Ivey gets back. We know Phil Ivey's getting backed, right? So the other okay. two are kind this of not as good. Go ahead. This is very easy. I'm backing Phil Ivey. Yeah. I am bluffing Sean Astin. Yeah. And I am blending Artem Litvinov. <laughs> Damn, son. Why Artem Litvinov? Why does he get blended? Because, because simply because I can't bluff that guy. He's never going to fold. Right. Sean Astin is always going to fold to my bluff yeah. for sure. That guy can't call shit. Yeah. I would have blended Sean Astin, but he's the easiest to bluff by far. What about Faraz so Jaka? I got to bluff. Faraz Jaka just gets off scot-free. Yeah, I'm not blending Faraz Jaka. I like that guy a lot, and I don't want to bluff him. Yeah. He's probably going to call too. Yeah, um, I think that. I think, and I, I, and I can't back him. Yeah. I can't back him with Ivy at the right. table. So I got to go. So that's. I mean, how could you choose any three different than I just? Did? I don't think I could either. I think it's pretty clear. Aston's the clear bluff. Ivy's the obvious back, and then you can't kill Faraz Jaka if Artem Litvinov is just sitting there. You have to kill Artem Litvinov. Yeah. That's just the deal. <laughs> it's, it's nothing personal, Artem. Like. You know, it's it's a fuck Mary Kill situation and you you know, someone has to die. You're just the guy who has to die this time. All right, it's fine. And Grant the thing that, that messes it up, it's so weird, is Grant actually wants to watch you turn into a swirl of red and oh it's disgusting, Grant. Why are you so strange I don't know. in this way? <laughs> I don't know. Fluff back or blend. We're gonna do this sometimes now. I'm into it. All right, I promise we're about to get to the hand. Okay. First, I want to mention that it was suggested by Casper Kwok. Been mm. doing, having quite a year, Casper Kwok. A lot of good suggestions. 
Casper suggested on Twitter. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter at Two Poker Guys. If you want to suggest a hand, that's where you do it. We have some specific requests, actually, hmm. for those who want to help us out a little bit with hand suggestions. Yeah. The way that YouTube has been working these days, a lot of different poker content producing entities have become a little bit more uh, protective of, of their materials. Ultimately, no matter what, in the end on YouTube, we believe we will win any copyright claims or anything like that that happens because we... Uh, cate- mean, nobody cares. We, nobody cares. Well, anyway, the point is... We would generally win, but it would take a while, so we can't really use these things anyway, and we want to be good to these entities. So we have specific entities we would like you to suggest from, if you could, that we could then make into videos, because otherwise we have to make it into podcasts. Anything that PokerStars owns, we can do. So you can suggest anything that PokerStars owns. Aussie Millions hasn't been an issue for us in the past. Uh, WPT has not been an issue for us in the past. Poker Night in America, you can suggest. It might take us a little while to get permission, but we can get individual permission Mm -hmm. for Poker Night in America stuff. And uh, poker time, old poker time stuff. Why not? You know. Also, uh, the Triton series is fine. Oh yeah, the Triton series. We actually um, got permission to use TCH hands as well, so that'll take a little longer because I think we have to get individual hands. But they were fine with it, so I'm sure that would continue to be fine. I think that's it, though, right? That I'm aware of. There could be some other ones that are out there, but those are like the big group where there'd be a bunch of stuff. Like Poker Stars has got right, so like much the- material. There's like the old stuff, like the full tilt million dollar cash game yeah. stuff in London and stuff. That's like fine. the old cash game stuff like that. You can do that. And like uh, Premier League poker mm-hmm. stuff like that. Some of that old stuff that Jesse Mays all over. Yeah. So if you want, if you want, like we're starting to run out of video hands because people mostly suggest stuff that we can't use. Like people suggest high stakes poker stuff that some poker go uh, live at the bike. We just, those entities just are not interested in letting other people use their video for analysis anymore. And so we're just not going to push that. We're not going to poke that bear and try and do what people want. Instead, and, you know, we're going along to get along here. Right. Of course, you can still suggest hands that are on poker, go live at the yes. bike on any poker thing. And they just will be podcast only if we end up doing them. And we like those hands too, that we're fine with those. Absolutely. But we'd like you to, if, if you're going to suggest hands anyway, lean towards those ones that we mentioned as being clean and easy for us to make videos of. I mean, you shouldn't have a problem finding stuff from Poker Stars and the WPT and the Triton series alone. I mean, that's a lot of material. Yeah. And Aussie Millions. Yeah. It's pretty big stuff. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Shall we do this thing? We're going to do this thing now? Yeah, let's do it. This is the shark cage. So there's like a qualifier, which is Andre in this hand. And there's the shark cage, which is like a completely flawed concept. But there it is. It's there next to the set. It's where you go if somebody bluffs you or or value bets you no, effectively. No, no, when no. They like... Only if you have to bluff or be bluffed. You have to success if you if you bluff and get called, you're in there on the river only. Or if you if someone bluffs you on the river, and they have to do it with the worst ah. hand too. Like they can be okay. they can intend to bluff, but if you have a, if you have a worse hand, then you know they don't send you to the cage. Nothing happens. Anyway, we don't really think. That's going to matter no. as far as this hand is concerned. That's not like a major issue here. Uh, so that's that's what we're in. We're, I think we're at a full table. I think we're six-handed still, which is how the table began. And then this is one of the preliminary rounds, and then uh, there will be the winner will get to play at the final table for a million dollars, yeah. right? Cool. Not bad. Here we go. Let's get to it. So the blinds are 6K and 12K. Artem Litvinov, for those who don't know, we've done one video of him before. It's hilarious because he's a funny dude and he's easily exasperated and he tilts, but in like kind of a fun, funny way, he's just a very eccentric guy. Mm. Something he has like a stuffed rat 
at the table or something. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know his background or what he is. He's showing up in poker back in these times a lot. This is not, he doesn't seem like he's a pro, but he's not like completely clueless. But he does have a hundred bigs under the gun here and he limps ace king off. What up with that? Um, I don't have great answers to this, except that maybe he thinks Faraz Jaka is going to do lots of weird stuff from the big blind, which indeed he often will. He's, I, I have to believe he's, the plan is to limp re-raise pretty much always, and maybe, and we're always going with it, especially in the shark cage in a free roll spot, right? Like when we're six-handed to start, like, the, like I imagine that's what's happening. I guess. I don't know why he wouldn't just raise and I then guess. go with it if someone three bets him, though. Like, that's fine, too. And go with it just means four bet. I mean, if he, a lot of these guys are just too deep to, like, you're not going to shove, four bet shove for 100 blinds or anything crazy like that, of course. Well, Artem Lifinov might. I don't know. He does stuff okay. that is different. Anyway, he limps ace-king under the gun. Ace of hearts, king of spades. Phil Ivey is, I think, plus two. Limps two sixes. Not going to matter. Samwise Gamgee <laughs> limps seven, eight of clubs sure. in the button, I think. Yep. We got Andre, who is the qualifier. Jonathan believes he might claim to be a psychic. I'm pretty sure I, right? one of the qualifiers, it was a it was a guy. So I'm almost sure it's Andre claimed to be a psychic, which is weird because then they should probably win the million dollars. But I will say this guy did not win the million dollars. I'll just spoil that right now. Uh, he's not ultimately win this table and the next table. So. It makes him either he should know, like, why would he even show up then if he's not going to win the million dollars? If he's a psychic, he knows he's not going to win. I'm just saying, it seems questionable. I mean, he would do more than win the million dollars, he'd win the main event every year. That's a good point. That is a good point. Maybe he's psychic only in particular ways, but he kept talking about how he was psychic and was implying that it had something to do with poker. But maybe, I don't know, it was mostly just a, a joke. And I'm not 100% sure it was this guy, I'm just mostly sure it was this guy. I watched this a while ago. Anyway. Anyway, whatever. He's got ace seven of spades in the small blind. He limps. Fine. Faraz Jaka's going to check the queen deuce off in the big blind. That's all great. The hands that you need to know are Artem Litvinov with ace king off, ace of hearts, king of spades, and Andre with ace seven of spades. Okay. The pot is 78,000, and the flop was not written down by me, the person who was supposed to write down the flop. So I'm going to go ahead and find that real quick. That's pretty awesome. I mean... I think it is pretty awesome, but there's definitely two spades on it. I think it's jack five eight with two spades. I think that's actually I can right. That pretty soon. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to start go talking about look real what quick. happens here. Uh, jack five eight with two spades would mean, of course, that Andre flops the nut flush draw, which he does. We know that much, and uh, he's just going to lead into everyone, which of course makes sense here with this hand from the small blind. He's going to bet fifty thousand into a pot of seventy eight k. Still looking, Grant. Yep. Okay. Almost there. I'm going to keep talking. It'll be fine. Uh, so he he leads from the small blind for 50k. Uh, we could talk about this, but it's pretty straightforward in a limp pot to bet the nut flush draw here. It's totally fine, especially when you're deep. He could check call. He could check raise, but betting's fine. Uh, that's going to fold out for Ozjak and his queen deuce. And I see that Grant is back with information. Yes. So it is Jack five eight two spades. The five and the eight are spades. Yeah. So, yeah, he leads his flush draw. Artem Litvinov calls under the gun. This seems like a major mistake after Faraz folds, right? I mean, he has ace-king off. I would feel like that ace better be the ace of spades to even consider calling here. It's not. It's the ace of hearts. I don't know why he would call here. It seems 
like beyond amateurish to call here. We're like six ways. We're five ways to see this flop, right? There's still three people who haven't acted behind him. What is he doing? Well, my best guess Two is people. that knowing the little I know about Artem and mentioning earlier, he seems to have a streak of tiltiness to him. Mm-hmm. I think this might be a form of entitlement tilt. Even though he put himself in this position by limping ace-king, he still expected a lot more out of his ace-king than what he got. Um, he didn't get anybody to raise pre-flop, and the flop's not very good for him. So he feels still entitled to win the hand because he had such a good hand, and he's so smart for deceiving everybody and having this good hand. Uh, <laughs> so he feels like he wants to continue because he has a hand that he once held dear to his heart. Yeah, it, I mean, I think he's also using the king of spades as like a, a, a false reason to sort of like continue in his mind. He can justify it. But the truth is, the ace of spades is absolutely out there right now, like all this limping, like there's no reason to believe that you're, even if it goes runner runner space, that that's a good thing for you. It could be the worst thing for you with the King of Spades. Yeah. We're, we're five handed here. I guess we're not anymore. Faraz is folded. We're four handed. It just seems like a ridiculously bad idea. Also, one of the two people behind you could raise and now you're just throwing, why, why throw any of this money away? You put in 12K, you don't I, have to put I, in 50 now. He's got two back doors right, and overs. They're not, it's not a great spot. And this board absolutely hits Phil and Sean Astin's range behind him. Yeah. Like they could easily have two pair hand sets. Like obviously Phil just missed a set on two two ends with his two sixes. Like they could have combo draws. They could just have top pair that's never folding. Mm-hmm. It seems like a big mistake. Maybe, maybe on the button you could consider calling, but still, when the guy in the small blind bets into four people, four opponents, I think maybe you just fold anyway on the button. I mean I think the only way you reasonably call here is when yeah, you're on the button and everyone else is players. It's just you and the person who bet. So you've got position, you've got overs, you've got back doors, you've got all these things working for you. So that way, when, if they check the turn, you can try and take it away and sometimes you improve, right? That's, but like doing it in this spot, multi-way is just not even in position against a bunch of the table. It just seems like, you know, you're taking a flamethrower to your bank account. I still think even if you were on the button, I think it's a fold anyway. Like the small blind did decide yeah. to bet into four people. Yeah. He happens to have the one hand type that you're ahead of. I agree with but you. But mostly he's got you in trouble. Well, I mean, he can have, he can have draws. It's a, wet, it's a wettish board. There's a, I mean, you said, I guess it was a one hand type, but there's a bunch of draws. But still, I, I agree. Yeah. Also for two thirds of the pot where it's kind of, it's not like it's super cheap. You know, I agree. If we're heads up, we can call. But in this scenario, it doesn't matter where we're sitting position wise. I agree completely. I meant it more like if we're heads up and we're on the button. I guess I didn't. Well, yeah, whatever. Okay. Who cares what I meant? That's what I'm saying now. <laughs> anyway, we don't like Litvinov's call, but he does it. Yeah. Uh, Phil, Phil's going to fold his sixes. Huge Sam mistake. Samwise on the button. Yeah. Samwise on the button is going to make a pretty conservative fold with seven, eight of clubs. It's jack five, eight with one club on there. He's got backdoor straight flush draws. Uh, and he's got middle pair. It feels like he got a call once in position here, right? I, if you're Samwise. I think so, especially when we're this deep. It feels like... The two back doors really kind of like seal it, you know? I think just middle pair alone, probably not going to be enough here. But there's a lot of really good cards for Sam on the... We're calling him Sam. His name's not Sam, actually, right? It's Sean. Yeah. Uh, for Sean on the turn that are going to absolutely, like, just light him up, right? Like, he's going to turn open-ended or some kind of a straight draw. He's going to turn a club draw a bunch. He's going to make two pair of trips a bunch. You know, something like... 27% of the deck is going to be pretty kind to him. Maybe that's too much, but you know what I mean? A, a fair amount of the time. Yeah. We also once in a while have the best hand. Guess what? We have the best hand right now. Um, we wouldn't know that we would have the best hand, but with, with the draws and position and the depth of stack, this feels like a call. I agree. We can forgive Sean Aston for not playing at a professional level in this poker game. Yeah. He's 
busy perfecting his craft. He, he's busy trying to convince people that he's a football player somehow, like an actual football player. Come on, man. Yeah. You're just going to, you're going to go rude. have sex. Why don't you go have sex with a Renona Ryder? Apparently Sean Aston. No one believes you. <laughs> no, the, to be fair, the entire premise of Rudy is how unexpected it is that he made it onto the field for one play. Yeah, no, that's right? true. And, and, and to be fair, in Stranger Things, he's supposed to be sort of the guy who you wouldn't think she'd be with because she's choosing, like, not the big tough guy. She's choosing, like, the accountant guy, you know, who's, like, sweet. She's, like, going with that now, and she's going a different direction. Also, in Stranger Things, they've clearly decided that if you're an adult male, if you're a little portly, that's hot. Like, Everyone, all the men are like, you know, David Harbour, who's the male adult star. He ain't a skinny dude. He's not like in great shape, but he's like the good looking guy on that show. So they've got their own thing going. Their own sense of what's Are you projecting onto that? Like what makes you think he's the good looking guy? What, what indication? Because him and Winona Ryder are like, they like get together. They're like, that's a romance thing that they're doing. He's the love interest for her. Like he's a, he's an authority figure. He doesn't have to be that isn't, to be. No, it's that they obviously they, they dated they dated in high school and they start dating again. By the way, he's also like the star of Hellboy. Like, I'm sorry, you don't think you you know you've got your own weird thoughts about which movie stars are so good. I know you think Al Pacino is just dreamy, but the rest of us understand that David Harbour <laughs> is considered good looking. Tom Cruise is considered no, this good is, looking. This is weird. What you're doing right now is weird because you started with the premise of like Stranger Things has a strange view of, of who's an attractive person yeah. because it yeah. claims that David Harbour is attractive. That's correct. And now you're saying he is an attractive person. <laughs> I'm confused by your whole premise. Yeah, I'm confused. What by are you it. saying? I'm confused by it, too. Um, it's not clear to me anymore what what particular mousetrap I'm trying to get your tail caught in because I've. I've sort of gone around too many times, you know, I've gone around the bend too many times and now I don't know which way I'm, which direction I'm facing. I think I'm saying that you're a, you're a bigot <laughs> for saying, <laughs> okay. for saying that, that David Harbour should even, could even be considered good looking. And I'm, I'm a good guy for saying, Hey, look, this kind of portly guy is considered good looking. Like what a, what a deal. <laughs> I never said anything to that effect. <laughs> What are you talking about? You kind of did, though, right? You implied it a little bit. You were saying he—you were saying he I, wasn't a good-looking guy. You said that. You said he's not. I didn't. The, you said he wasn't sexy. <laughs> I did not say that. I'm sorry. You know what you said? You said Al Pacino. You really? You, you think Al Pacino is? He's got the eyes. You of are a, the only person the who has mentioned Al Pacino. <laughs> you are the only person who has mentioned Al Pacino on this show. It's not my fault. You're basically how many Al Pacino posters? True, hand to God, how many Al Pacino posters do you have in your room right now on the wall? Hand to God, zero. Oh my God! I said hand. To, okay, sorry. Maybe you're an atheist. Just tell the truth. If, pretend we're in a court of law. How many Al Pacino posters? <laughs> zero. <laughs> All right, I guess I guess we're never going to get to the bottom of this. Let's just move on. I think we did. Just moving scent of on a here. woman, man. What'd you say? Scent of a woman. Scent of a woman. I sort of get the whole Joker agent of chaos thing from doing this podcast a little bit more. Like it's kind of fun just to fuck shit up in whatever direction it goes. Doesn't really matter. Who cares? Who cares? Who gets hurt? You're lucky. You're you're honestly quite lucky that I'm like the perfect <laughs> co-host for you, where I keep things structured enough, and I let but I let you do your shit, and I don't like fucking yeah. bring the hammer down. Yeah, I've been on other podcasts back. I in wield the day. all of the power here. <laughs> I used to be I on podcasts. I, can... I was like on sports podcasts long ago where I was like one of a panel of like three or four people and stuff. And, uh, and I could not do, I could only get too far. I couldn't get very far out of line for sure. 
Like that was just not okay. So nice to be your own boss, you know, way better. Well, I mean, I could try to stop you earlier on these things, That's dumb. but I think I'm giving you just the right amount of rope, the perfect structure. And I've noticed now that we're at 32 minutes and three seconds, which is the perfect time yeah. to bring up nitrogen sports poker. Of course it is. They requested the ad to begin somewhere between 32 minutes and 32 minutes and seven seconds. So we nailed it. We did it. Uh, yeah. Of course, I didn't account for the opening song, which has not yet been put in the podcast. Damn it. We're going to have to redo uh, the whole thing. I've been filling all this. Keep it I've going. been filling all this time. I come up with the blend thing. I do the poker book review. <laughs> I'm now talking about Stranger Things for way too long in Sean Astin's career. And here you are. You screwed up anyway. It's crazy. I should be. I probably should get less of a percentage of yeah. poker guy's income. You probably should. This, is my guess. No one's listening for speaking you. Speaking of income. <laughs> speaking of income. <laughs> yeah. Go on. One form of income that the poker guys have is through playing poker. And one way to make income playing poker is to find good tournaments. Guess what? Nitrogen Sports has an incredible tournament every month. If you use the link in the description of this podcast, you're guaranteed to be plus EV in this tournament. I don't care if you're Artem Litvinov. You are guaranteed to be plus EV. Sean Astin. I don't care if you're Sean Astin. You are plus EV in this tournament because they guarantee 1,000 buy-ins and they only let 300 players in. They usually only get about 200. That means there's a huge overlay all the time. Get up in there. It costs like, you know, Bitcoin changes all the time these days. But at the recording of this podcast, it's at about 15,000 which means that the entry fee to the tournament, which is 0.1 millibits, is about $1.50. And that means the guarantee is about 1500 bucks, And it means that also about $300 or so of that money will be accounted for by actual players, and the rest will be accounted for by nitrogen. That is an absurd overlay. Yeah. Here's $1,200 just for living. It's like being a supermodel. Yeah. You know, they just hand you money just for walking around. It's great. Now, live the life of a supermodel. Play on nitrogen. I, I just, there you go, nitrogen. You're welcome. Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty good. But make sure you use the link when you sign up oh, or God. else you don't even get access to that tournament. Of course, there's also sports betting. The NBA is coming back in December now. There's football still going on. I'm sure there's soccer somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. I don't pay attention to that. Uh, there's also casino games. So, you know, get in there. Nitrogen. Probably ping pong. There might be some ping pong. Nice shame. It's pretty easy to social distance in ping pong, right? Yeah, it is actually, although as long as you don't play doubles. But let's do the slogan, nitrogen. Live a life like Christy Teigen. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's not weird. <laughs> you get a lot of Twitter followers by signing up for nitrogen, I guess, if that's the case. All right, let's get back to the hand. Okay. We're heads up now. We've got the qualifier, Andre, having bet his nut flush draw ace seven of spades on the jack five eight two spade board. Artem Litvinov made an ambitious call with ace king off. Uh, and now we are heading to the turn, which is the six of hearts. Mm. Oh, Phil Ivey would have made a set. Oh, so sad for Phil Ivey. Sean Aston turns open ended, but he's not there either anymore. He's not. Um, so the board now reads jack five eight six with two spades. The pot is 178K. Andre, meanwhile, has turned open-ended to go along with his nut flush draw. This feels like a slam dunk continue betting spot. He could have easily made a straight two pair, already had two pair on the flop. Like, he should keep betting, right? He should generate some fold equity with his nut flush draw and open-ender. He should be trying to generate fold equity in one of two ways. He should either bet, which makes the most sense, and the story is the clearest, 
that six isn't supposed to change too much about the hand from from Litvinov's Litvinov's um, limping range. I guess once in a while he can make a weird two pair or something, but mostly it doesn't change anything. Uh, like if we have top pair, if we have like a good top pair, we would just keep going, right? If we had King Jack, we would definitely bet again on this wet board, wouldn't we? Like, I would think so. I think we would. Um, we can have way better than that too. We we just completed the small blind. We can have all the hands here. Um, we have a hand that wants fold equity, so we should either bet or we should be check raising, and that's it. I agree, but Andre checks. Okay, so he can check raise. He could. That's okay. As Artem, we kind of have to take a shot now, right? Unless we really just think Andre's one hundred percent draws at this point, we just kind of have to try to end this pot. We have to. I mean, also we would assume that Andre is betting a hand like King Jack, so we can rep a Jack pretty comfortably here and probably get folds a lot of the time. So I think we have to bet. Well, Artem tries to leave nothing to doubt. He bets big. He bets 140K into 178, trying to say, yeah. if you have a draw and you decide to check the turn, get out of here. I want to win this pot, right? Yep. So this is a major problem for Andre. This is why Andre should have probably bet. You don't want to be in this spot. Like, you have a combo draw. You absolutely cannot call profitably, right? Not for 140K with one card to come into 178. Um, well, he's got a combo draw, so he can... No, you're right. You can't. You can't. It's close, but you can't. I mean, it feels like the move. The, there's there's only one play here, right? You can't fold. The hands too. The, there's too much going on to fold. We have to. I'm you, sure you basically raise. We raise and we're effectively moving all in, whether we actually move all in or not. We're just gonna like we have 690k left. He bet 140. Like there's just we're we're committing ourselves to the pot. And what, so we I say we just move in or move it close enough in that there's no question and that's that. You know. Yeah, actually, this is a pretty good format to do that in, too. Like, mm-hmm. there's still six remaining. Only one place matters at all. Right. Uh, so, like, it's okay to play higher variance early on. Absolutely. And, you know, Livanov's not going to want to just call off with one pair here anyway most of the time. It's super strong. You're the, he, I'm sure Andre isn't thinking about this, even though he's a psychic. Um, you're an amateur. Livanov is, le- I know he may be, whatever, crazy, but he's less likely to call off one, he's not going to call off top pair against the amateur when the amateur check raises for this much. Very few pros would ever do that, um, especially right. this early in the event. They're just not going to do that. They want to have better hands. They, they believe in their skill, and they're going to wait. They're not going to be in a super high-variant spot if they can avoid it when they think they're good. So Livanov's not calling very much with very much of his range anyway, and when he does, you still have got him in okay shape. You're in okay shape. It's not amazing, but your ace may be good if you hit it. Your spades are good, of course. You're straight usually. Right. Meaning like you, yeah. you're at least going to chop almost always and, and often win. Yep. But Andre does the thing we really don't like. Yeah. He calls. Yeah. Check like calling this turn, especially on a big bet, is just like it's kind of gross. Right. It's just kind of a gross way to play the hand. He's also out of position. Let's say a spade comes. What are we doing now? Yeah. Let's say a straight comes. There's four cards to a straight on the board. Now what's your plan? Let's say an ace comes. What's our plan in any of these spots? Are we checking and hoping Litvinov bets? We block all those things. It's unlikely he's going to bet when the scary cards comes if he has like a top pair type hand. It's just so hard to get value too. You really want to be in position with this hand if you're going to call. I know, I know Sam Greenwood one time famously didn't call in this and instead, I mean, he called instead of like check raising or something with a hand like this. But like, congratulations. Sam Greenwood also was playing, you know, he was leveling upon leveling with... Uh, the Slim Reaper. It's a different deal. This is such an this is such a bad spot that Andre's put himself in. Yeah. 
I think a check shove would have been fine mm-hmm. once you checked. I mean, yeah. it would have been a fine play. But if you're not, if you're going to check call, just lead instead. Right. I mean, your hand is good enough that if you lead, I guess you could lead. You can't actually, that you're deep enough that like if you lead a normal amount, you, instead of betting 140K, you bet like 90 or something like that, or even 95 or 100. It's really unlikely Artem is going to move in on you. If he does, okay, I guess we have to take the loss there if he moves in. Like, we can't really do anything about that. I don't think we can call off. I guess we could decide to if we think we're the amateur. We could decide to call off, but that's a separate, like, whatever. Yeah, we don't Mostly, it's rare that he's going to move in on you if we bet again. So, like, let's go. Come on. But he calls. And imagine this nightmare scenario. What if the river just bricks out its deuce and Artem with his hands like, ah, I give up. I'm not going to get you to fold. And you just lose with this combo draw to ace king i mean i feel like, like it's terrible yeah that is terrible like where we could have won almost at any point although some i mean you never would think you're up against a hand like ace king when he calls on the flop for 50k with people behind no. him in fairness right you think you're up against a made hand of some sort although yes although he could have spades also he could have draws also it's possible and it would be horrible to get bluffed out by those also like that also sucks yep it's just a bad spot yeah i shouldn't have done it but here we are. Yeah. Pot's now 458K, and the river is the 10 of clubs. So Brick. nobody improves in any way. Brick. El Bricatola. Sir Brickness. That's... Yes, Sir Brickness. The board now reads, Jack of clubs, five of spades, eight of spades, six of hearts, 10 of clubs. It's a pretty wet board. Somehow, both these players made it to the river with a bet going in on both flop and turn, and neither player has anything somehow on this run out, which is... Kind of odd, yeah. considering how wet this board is. Um, here's the problem. Andre checks. So if Artem decides this is too wet of a run out to take a shot, Artem just wins this pot now. Yeah. Right? That just sucks for Andre. I mean, Andre is conceding the pot, you know, like period here, right? He just is, like he just thinks he's never winning it, no matter what. Because he's basically, when he checks, like if Litmanov bets, he's going to fold. He's conceding the pot so he can get bluffed. Or he, or Litvinov checks back. You assume you're always losing to a made hand. Like, it's really hard to imagine Litvinov is not going to bluff a, a worse hand than a seven of spades. So I think we're just conceding the pot. Well, you would think that, but would it be a breakdown hand if that were the of case? Of course it wouldn't. It was a trick. It was a truse. It was a ruse. A truse? A truse. It was a trick and a ruse, and I put them together, and it was a truse. Sweet. Trulu's the trek. <laughs> I think I might call medical professionals to <laughs> aid Jonathan and his brain function after this. Uh, say, but say in the meantime, we'll finish the podcast. Okay. So Artem is going to try to bluff Andre. The question is, should he? Like, I know in this spot, it, it just opens him up to pain because if he checks back, he gets to win no matter what. That's great. But... Should he try to bluff on this run out? Jack five, eight, six, ten. Andre check called the turn. You probably wouldn't put him on a draw unless you knew something about this amateur and knew that he like didn't understand the math of draws, basically. I mean, it really feels like Andre has uh, an okay jack here. Like that's it, yeah. right? I think it's a he's an amateur, he's on TV, he doesn't want to look dumb. Although it's the shark cage, of course. So he doesn't want to look dumb by like if he gets bluffed by us, he has to go to the cage. So actually, I don't think we should bluff. Now that I think about it, I was going to say we should bluff to get him off top pair, but in this spot, like 
I was I watched the entire season two of Shark Cage recently. Basically, no one ever folds the river because no one wants to go to the cage. Like it's very rare for someone to fold the river. Like everyone's trying to bluff it, never works. Uh, so Andre may not know any of that though because he's not thinking about it or paying attention. But like I, I imagine Artem probably should check and be like, I may not be able to get this guy to fold a top pair no matter what here. So fuck it. If he's gonna bet, he should bet big. But. Yeah, I agree. And I guess it would just be targeting, like you said, just a, a weak jack. Like mm-hmm. Jack nine. Andre Limp the small blind. He could have any sort of weak jack, probably. He could probably have Jack Deuce, like, limping the small blind after a bunch sure. of limps. Jack seven makes a lot of sense. Jack nine makes sense. You know, those are both straight draws along with his top pair. I think any top pair he's probably, if he checks the turn, is going to call anyway. So it doesn't necessarily have to have Maybe. anything else going on. Maybe. So Artem's going to target those hands. I'm not sure if that's a good idea or not. Maybe it is. He bets 280K. Okay. So here's a fundamental problem with the shark cage. When you bet the river, you have to declare whether or not you're value betting or bluffing. And you get to choose. And Artem chose value. He said he's value betting. And that is so he doesn't have to go to the shark cage if it gets called, right? Yeah. He's trying to say, I'm actually value betting ace king. It's clearly a lie. Absurd. It's just a complete lie. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why this show didn't make it is because all this weird, dumb stuff can happen. I was telling Grant before we started that Don Cheadle just decided to switch someone's cards so that they only had two bluff cards and not a, not a value card and a bluff card. And then he was in a hand with her and she went to, she bet the river and went to her cards and they were the same. And then Don Cheadle then said, I'm so sorry. I was just screwing around, but now I know what, I know what you were going to pick because you could have just put it out otherwise. I know that you need one of these cards instead. He gave it to her. She then did the thing. He folded. Um, and there was no penalty or anything, even though he blatantly cheated. You know, I, I don't think he did it with like, you know, malice in his heart or anything like that, but he affected the game in a sincere way, a game that a million dollars is at the, at the, you know, is the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow. Like, that's a big deal. Um, and no one cared, or at least no one outwardly cared. No one publicly cared. I'm sure she cared. I'm sure other people cared. But like, there were just fundamental issues with this with this setup, and here we are. But anyway, it doesn't matter, right? Artem yeah. bluffs. We know Artem's bluffing, even though he says value. Yeah, he bets 280. Andre has a total of 531, and I think we might actually have some evidence that he's a psychic because there is no other earthly reason to do what he's about to do which is to check shove all in for 531k. Yeah. That seems All right. bad. Obviously this works. Artem folds. Of course. But let's let's talk about this move in and you know even recently on a podcast maybe the podcast that came out last or even a podcast that's coming out maybe this Monday. There's a play that happens that going into the hand I thought I'm not going to like this play. And in the end I was like, you know what? I can see the reasons for this play. Yeah. And maybe that's going to happen here, but that was in a 25K where you actually had to buy in for 25K and it was against Jason Kuhn and it was like these elite players. So I think it's less likely here that I'm going to find my way to liking this play. Mm. I don't see any reason to do this based on the way the hand played out. I especially don't see any reason to do this considering that we block the hands we want Artem to have that Artem would actually be capable of folding, which is spade draws the most likely hands that Artem could play this way and end up folding, yeah. right? Absolutely. So is there anything else to this other than this just being a, a button click or he's a psychic and knows that Artem has ace-king? Well, if he's a psychic, like, he did it? not win this tournament, so it feels like he's not a psychic. Uh, okay. I'm just going to use that as my evidence right there. So we, let's, let's get rid of that right away. Um, the seven does block some straights. It's block seven, yes. nine. Exactly, right? 
Uh, yeah. And I guess, and also 7-4 now that I think about it. It blocks both of those. Uh, those mm-hmm. are not, 7-4 especially is not a likely holding. 7-9 could be, because 7-9 is a double gutter on the flop, I guess. 7-9 is at least possible that we can have, too, I guess. But it doesn't block the nuts, having said all that. The nuts is queen, queen nine. Uh, and like you said, we have spades in our hand. That's exactly the cards. That's exactly the suit we don't want to have. We want to have anything but spades if we're going to make this play, especially. The seven, not super great either, though, because that actually was open-ended on the turn. But Artem called the flop, so I don't know how important that is really. Uh, yeah, this seems like a terrible idea. Just a terrible, it does. terrible idea. Especially considering that you're not going to get it through against Artem's actual value range, right? Like, Artem's probably just checking back with a decent jack on this river. Unless oh. he made two pair, he's probably just checking back, right? He's definitely not betting 280K, like most of, our, most of our stack here to get called, I don't think. I think he's betting a lot less or checking. Right. So if, for this much more, we know Artem. He's probably not folding if he made two pair and is value betting it. I mean, we've seen him snap call with an over pair in a spot that's like... I was saying to you just before we started, I was like, every pro in the world would have taken real time at least on that play. And instead he like snaps, you know? All right. So ultimately what I'm saying here is that all of Artem's value is probably going to snap call this, right? (sighs) Pretty much. Maybe there's ace, maybe ace Jack is the one hand. That's not sure that has to think about it for a while. I think ace Jack's probably going to check back or bet smaller on the river. Also, we have an ace in our hand. We block ace Jack. So that ain't great either. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he's really going to bet King Jack after we call the 140K on the turn. I think you're right. I think he's just going to check back and not screw around. Anytime. Uh, so right, he's going to so have two pair of better here. With that, be- with that being our baseline, we can then assume based on knowing Artem, knowing the price, knowing the format of the tournament, Artem's probably just going to snap call all of his value, right? Yeah, Artem also has like more less fucks to give than even the average person in the shark cage. So I think you're right. Yeah. I think he's going to snap call okay. pretty well. If not all his value, almost all his value. Let's say that. Yeah. With that in mind, also, we happen to luck into the ultimate situation where Artem somehow has a better hand than mm. us that is a bluff. Yeah. But you would never expect that on this run out. There are so few of those available. It has to be a better ace high. And we have the spades, which makes it so unlikely that Artem has a better ace high. Correct. So... There are so few hands in that category. That means that if we thought we, like Artem was bluffing, we're supposed to be ahead of those hands anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Unless he's taking like... So a, this is just bad in all well, ways. Well, unless, unless Artem, he's a psychic. Unless Artem's taking like a bad one pair hand and turning it into a bluff on the turn and then following through on the river. But would he really do those things? I don't know. Would he even call with a bad one pair hand for 50K on the flop with people behind him? I guess maybe since he called with Ace King, but I wouldn't think he was doing that with like middle or bottom pair with all these people behind him. Yeah. Like he'd have to have like King eight suited and decide it wasn't good enough or something. He could have like six, seven call open under on the flop, turn a six bet big to try and, you know, win. Cause he thinks he's behind gets called. And now is bluffing with the six, but he's beating enough. Dr- okay. But there could be that. that, but that's like it, right? Yeah. That, that one makes sense though. Yeah. I could see that. That's the one, but there's not, a, there's not enough of hands in that swath. To make this make sense. Yep. Also, there's only two combos of six, seven suited because we have a seven of spades in our hand. The six of hearts is on the board. So that ain't great. Yeah. If we knew that Phil Ivey had folded two sixes, we'd even feel less good about putting him on <laughs> our hand. But I don't know how we could know that as Artem. 
Sorry, it's Andre. So ultimately what I'm saying here is if Artem has value, it's hands that are going to call this. We're not going to get his value yeah. to fold. If Artem has bluffs, which are honestly kind of hard to, to fathom, we have that beat anyway most of the time. There's the tiny swath of hands that Artem happens to fit into that are bluffs that are better than our hand, and we found it, and it looks amazing. But I think this is a really bad bluff. Yeah, um, I do too. Uh, I, I think... Artem is calling with almost all of his value and folding almost all of his bluffs to sort of... So I don't completely echo what you're saying, but I almost echo all of what you're saying. And it, the point is the same. We can't make this play as a result. Like, we're never going to get called by worse. We're rarely going to fold out better of the range of hands that's deciding to bet here, right? We found one. Yeah. Um, there are... I think there is some value that we actually, we actually can fold out, but not too much. Like some bad two-pair hands we might be able to fold out. But... You really think Artem in this format is folding a two pair when hand? It, when, the, when the amateur check raises all in on the river, it's possible he's going to fold like five six. It's possible. Or eight, but I don't eight know. six. Of suited. all players, of all players at the table, Artem's probably the least likely to fold that. I agree. In a spot like this. I agree with you completely. Um, but it's at least possible. Yes, it's possible. But if our hope is to fold out two pair by the guy who like tilts yeah. and calls off all the time, seems like an issue. Agreed. So anyway, it worked this time and it did look amazing, right? It looks and it supports his theory of being a psychic because that's somehow Artem fits in like the 2% of his range that's actually going to play like this, that this play works against. So maybe he's a psychic, except that he's not the greatest player in the world. Yeah. I'd like to then say that I might have changed my answer. Uh, I'm going to blend Andre if Andre is actually claiming to be a psychic. Like, because since we have clear proof <laughs> okay. that he isn't, or at least clear proof in terms of cards that he isn't, again, maybe he has to touch a uh, memento, you know, and like he can tell you, you know, communicate with the dead or something. But I'm blending him and not worrying about it so much, you know. I believe in math. Good call. Thanks. Good call.